The reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Kelly Payfer. I may be from Down Under, but don't ever underestimate me. Richie D. If you can't be cool, you can't be with Caduce. Megan Shaw. I may be a mom. Model, but I'll never be your model minority. Becca Simon. It gets icy where I'm from, so you know I'll bring the heat. Jill Hirsch. Your petty drama can't take this warrior down. Jamie Allrunner. Where I come from, we're known for our great lakes, but I'm just known for my great ass. Sarah Gibbs. You may not like the cut of my jib, but that's what you get from Sarah Gibbs. Maria M. Where I'm from, they sing God Save the Queen, so I guess you can call me a god. Jill Walsh. I made it up this hill myself, and I'll kick any jack off. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and they're not even on my payroll. John Friedman. Diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is. Sarah Watkins Bilstein. Playtime is over. This mama means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast pumping or fist pumping, this Jersey girl brings the party. Amanda Agosti. Everything is bigger in Texas and my heart is no exception. Tracy Masters. When you're the master of your own destiny, no one can ever take you down. Marl Farsi. Reading is fundamental and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Newman. My presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lola Del Rio. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets and I get it all. Adade Adidoko. It may look like I'm stirring the pot, but I'm actually just smoking. Deepa Canopoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Jada. People are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. Naveen Jonathan. I'll give you the shirt off my back and also my unsolicited opinion. Adil Ibrahim. Some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Trinity Subramaniam. I have four degrees and eight syllables and zero fucks to give. Beth Bayer. The secret to my success is staying out of your BS. Shannon Anthony. There's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shame. Rita Ryan. Don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. Brianna Tony. Some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. And lastly, Tanisha. While others are turning tables, I'm dancing on them. Welcome back. It is just me alone today. Um, we're going to be talking about, or I'm going to be talking about, because there's no we, it's just me. I'm going to be talking about uh, everything that is on TV on Sundays, basically. Um, we're talking about Candy and the Gang last week and this week's episode. We're talking about Karen Huger's little spinoff show. I didn't realize it was just two episodes, but I want to talk about it because it was so good. And um, Atlanta, obviously the premiere of Atlanta, you know, the prize of the, the diamond of the season. Okay. This season's diamond is actually Real Housewives of Atlanta. It's a couple of peaches and not actual diamonds in Beverly Hills. Um, but before we get into that, what's going on in the world, guys? What the actual fuck? <laughs> I'm recording this on Wednesday. I usually record this episode on Tuesday. I was planning to watch Summer House and talk about that. But guys, guess what? Monday was Eve. Okay, so I didn't watch Summer House. But also, 
what the fuck is going on in the Supreme Court? I'll tell you what's going on. Exactly what conservatives want. <laughs> um, it's sad. It's sad out there what they're trying to do to Roe v. Wade. Um, it's really terrifying. Um, there's a lot of very uh, scary stuff that could happen to not just women and not just people who can have babies, but also marginalized people in general. You know, overturning that doesn't just impact abortion, it impacts a lot of things. It sets the precedence for anything to be overturned that's currently protected through the Supreme Court, right? So that's the kind of stuff that we're terrified about. Look, I'm a liberal blue state person from New Jersey. Okay. I have Phil Murphy. He has made a statement that, that, you know, our reproductive rights will be protected and that feels great, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible. It means that, you know, anytime there is a new governor running for office, they could very well stand with the platform of, you know, changing reproductive right laws in America or in New Jersey, in my state. If you have a blue state and you feel like it's protected, it's it's only a matter of time until you have somebody new who now can run on a ticket to regulate my uterus and regulate not just abortions, but how often I go and get checkups. Can I get hormone therapy? Can I get a mammogram at 32 because I have history of it? No, you can't because we really don't think that that's important because we're the government. We decide that you know, all this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm like literally just talking off the cuff right now. I've just been drowning in all kinds of stuff, (laughs) just reading what could possibly happen, not just to blue states, but obviously what's going to happen if this actually goes through in Southern states. Um, And again, this doesn't really impact people of privilege. It doesn't. If you have money and you live in Texas, look, the likelihood that you will be able to go somewhere else while it will be difficult is it's it's a possibility for you but marginalized people poor people black people black women who suffer the most when it comes to healthcare they will be the ones that will be greatly impacted by all this so um what can you do i'm going to put a couple of links in the description of this episode for you guys to donate to organizations that help protect reproductive rights just anything that you can do and just, you know. But anyway, uh, all that to say that I didn't get to watch Summer House yet. So that's why I'm talking about everything that was on TV on Sunday because everything else that is on TV for the rest of this week will just have to be viewed at a later time to be covered in our Saturday episode. Um, So let's talk about Real Houses of Atlanta. Let's just jump right in, Okay. I just, I'm so thrilled to see all of them back on my TV. I love all of the taglines. I especially obviously love charades because I love when a housewife can poke fun at herself. This is the best part of Atlanta, I have to say. Everybody shades everybody and no one takes it too seriously. And this is where I felt like Nene lost me is in the later years that she was on the show. She didn't want to joke around at the reunions anymore. She wanted to like... She would she would do that weird thing where she would like turn her back and not really talk to anyone and not it was just like a mess. But the thing I love about Atlanta is they all just rib at each other, you know, and and they all laugh. Like we we opened up on Kenya practicing her Dancing with the Stars gig. Um, <laughs> like the editors put in a ghost of Ashy past. 
voiceover of Portia calling Kenya ashy. Like, it's just so funny. And then Candy and Marlo visit Kenya at the studio, and we get a full intro for Marlo Hampton, where she practically gives us her social security number. <laughs> and of course, it's all laced over with, you know, the iconic babbling in South Africa. But it's just, it was so good. It was, I love the fact that like Marlo within five seconds of being on TV was like, by the way, I got a hair transplant. Like she didn't just say that she had a hair transplant. She also outed that Drew had a hair transplant, which I love. Like she just so casually was like, yeah, I went to Drew's person. Like meanwhile, you have like Lisa Rinna on TV for like a million years, just still pretending that she doesn't wear a wig. Like, come on, come on. Um, but I love it. I loved just watching these ladies sit around the couch, talk to each other. Of course, Sheree comes in. And I know the word iconic gets used around a lot, but anytime you have an entrance like that, that is iconic. That is truly an icon. Um, but the ladies are sitting there. They're talking about what's going on. Marlo's telling us about La Archive, La Apostrophe Archive, like La Apostrophe Dom apostrophe not needed obviously but they're all just sitting around there talking it turns out that Sheree's boyfriend Tyrone is home from jail but he's not really home he's in Philly and Sheree does go and visit him and while they have been intimate and it was very fast (laughs) it was very short and quick she is now practicing abstinence which everybody has questions about Marlo tells everybody about her business. Nobody quite understands how she makes her money, but but she does remind everybody that she, she's dated billionaires. Or according to Candy, maybe it was one billionaire and she's just really been good with her money. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's great. It's nice to see Kenya and Sheree getting along. We get a lot of like then versus now. Sheree points out that she really thinks that Kenya is actually happier. She just seems really happy. Um, We find out that Kenya's divorce is still pending, but overall, she's just in a much, much better place. Later, we go to Marlo's home, and we learn that she is a munty, which is a mom auntie. Um, It's great to see her in the house. It's nice to see her with the kids. It's really sweet. The nephews, um, she's making them breakfast. (laughs) She's taking their garage door openers. I mean, it's great. I, I Part of me was like, is this stage... Probably the breakfast, maybe every day doesn't, you know, maybe every day there isn't a nice fresh omelet, but I do believe that she wakes those kids up and I do believe that she makes sure that they brush their teeth. And I do think that she makes her uh, nephews smell each other's breath to make sure that the other has brushed their teeth. But I I liked seeing it. I liked getting to know the backstory. We've heard bits and pieces about it over the years. It was nice to see that like she has an entire life. Like she's not just this person that like strolls in every now and then and causes commotion. Like she's actually a pretty interesting and genuine person. And she's fascinating. I just I find Marlo so fascinating. We catch up with Drew and her shitty husband, her bench warmer football player husband. I mean, God. Drew Drew was the biggest flop and one of the biggest just to remind everybody if you're new here you haven't heard us cover Elena before one of my biggest issues with Drew is that she weaponizes her marriage Um, she uses the fact that she's a married woman to put other women down for not being married right and not to mention she had this like weird 
like slut shamey thing with this there was a preacher named prophet lot (laughs) and apparently he had possibly hooked up with or was distracted by some other girl and it was a whole thing perhaps go back and listen to those episodes but my point is that drew's a mess and like drew I don't think Drew knows how to be an authentic person on television. I do think that Drew is coming in wanting to like be real, but also is so thirsty and desperate in a lot of ways. Um, I hate knowing that Ralph is from New Jersey. You know, I do love my garden state, but, you know, just added to the list of red flags. It's Ralph. It's Louie. It's whoever Dolores is dating now. Anyway, Drew is going to the gym. Um, She's just delusional as ever. We meet Sonia, the new housewife, and she is literally the fastest woman in America. And Drew is trying to raise her, which, like, I feel like is an example of, like, Drew's delusion. Like, Drew really thinks that she's got a fighting chance in a lot of different ways with a lot of different things. She's got a fighting chance to have a decent husband in her marriage she's got a fighting chance to think that she can read people she can't right like she's she's kind of a dork (laughs) drew is the best way to describe drew is that she's a dork um anyway we find out that uh drew is doing some sort of a weight loss program it's called drop it with drew and it is giving me whatever accountability with teddy honey it's it's a lot And Sonia says it. How are you going to drop it when you can't even drop and give me squats? Like, what are you doing here? Um, Drew tells Sonia that Ralph and her almost got divorced because uh, Ralph here was not just escaping the Tampa, but now possibly entertaining getting massages from an assistant. Yeah. Fuck you, Ralph. It's ridiculous. There's more about this later in the episode, but we cut to everybody at their house and um, Marlo sends La Archive invitations to everybody. It is a beautiful woman in a gorgeous gown who comes, opens up a laptop and plays a video. And the video is Marlo inviting them to the La Archive event. And honestly, I wish that the video was Marlo sitting in a throne and a person singing around her, much like Karen Huger, who obviously is the CEO and genius behind La Apostrophe Dom. Um, Kenya calls it cheap to the person's face who's delivering it. And the person's like, that's rude. That's not nice. So it's like, oh, okay, it's still regular Kenya. She's still, she's like, what? I'm just saying it's fine. It's just that, like, I just, <laughs> she hasn't changed that much. She's still Kenya. Um, We have a scene with Sonia at home with her family. We learn a little bit more about her backstory. She came um, from the Caribbean when she was younger. She has immigrant parents. I love that we're getting like full subtitles. Like anytime there's an immigrant family, I'm like, I'm all in. I'm into this. It seems like the big tension in Sonia's house that we're going to explore is that she's, you know, had this husband for a long time. She has one kid. The husband wants another kid. She's afraid of having another one because they had a lot of issues when they had the one child. And that is, I guess, part of her storyline so far. Go back to Drew's house and she has some sort of a party to taste the meals that are part of her Drop It With Drew program. Candy and Sonia come over to taste it and uh, 
there's an assistant at the door who is really auditioning. I didn't catch his name and I apologize. I didn't write it down. I watched this episode on Sunday and it's Wednesday now, but he's doing the most. He's doing the absolute most. And it's possible that he is not just doing the most. He's spilling the tea, Um, to which I say, congratulations. You're doing a great job. Anyway, Candy and Sonia come over and Drew tells them about her program. She tells them that she dropped 25 pounds in three weeks. Um, okay, no, she didn't. And even Candy points that out. But she also says, now she did get a mommy makeover. <laughs> Which if you don't know what a mommy makeover, it's like a tummy tuck, a butt lift, and a boob lift or a breast implant. I mean, it's all the nooks and crannies that you can get adjusted. And I can tell that nobody believes her. Her castmates don't believe her. We obviously don't believe her. And the editors don't believe her. Like, the editors clearly hate Drew because they've been dragging her already on the first episode. She lies that she lost 25 pounds. She clearly didn't. Um, She got plastic surgery, and now she's using her transformed body after plastic surgery to sell a diet. (sighs) Even the way Drew is explaining it, it almost like – it's like she she explains her delusion with a level of confidence that I've only seen – oh, I've seen it in a lot of people. But I see it so clearly in Ralph. Like it's almost like she picks up on Ralph's con and she's like, oh, let me do the same thing. Like you you know, you pick up your husband's habits. When, you bring, when you're with a person for a long time, you do pick up their habits or their mannerisms or whatever. But it's almost like she's learned how to be a liar – through Ralph, and she's now using it to sell something. I do want to use this opportunity right now to take a pause and talk about how absurd it is that this woman is, I mean, do I even need to explain it? It's absurd that this woman is using a plastic surgery body transformation to sell a diet to women with the hope that you could drop 100 pounds in 21 days. That's insane. It's, it's such an insane and disgusting lie. And I want to talk about another thing that happened this week, which was there was the Met Ball. And Kim Kardashian wore Marilyn Monroe's dress. And she said on the red carpet very happily that she lost 16 pounds in three weeks to fit in, in the dress. By the way, she didn't fit into the dress. There was no fitting into the dress. A video just released today where she didn't actually fit into the dress. They had tied the dress in the back with something and she was wearing like a a like a fur jacket or something and kind of draping it over her butt because it didn't actually fit. It didn't actually fit. She went on camera and she bragged about losing 16 pounds in 3 weeks which no adult woman should be doing. Like I'm concerned about her bone density. And then she lied to say that. First of all, she, I don't think she lost 16, 16 pounds in 3 weeks. If she did, that's ridiculous. But she said that she did it to fit into a dress, a dress she didn't even fit into, a dress that was open in the back, a dress that she's been posting videos of hers or pictures of herself in, edited to the nines, obviously, to what, promote that you should do the same thing to fit into a dress? What? Like, there's so many levels of of fucked up over this. And we've talked so much about, yeah, I mean, I specifically have talked a lot about my eating disorder, but like, this is the shit, like, this is the shit that like women like Jackie or even myself, I think Jackie's probably like, what, 10 years older than me? Jackie, women like myself, like, 
those of us who grew up casually drinking Slim Fast for lunch in the seventh grade, this is the shit that we all grew up with and we heard normalized. And it's so ridiculous that it's still normalized. It's just insane. Anyway, let's get back to Atlanta. Drew tells the women about Ralph's assistant, and um, as she's telling them about it, Ralph comes in and tries to totally change the narrative. Drew tells the women that Ralph was texting somebody, uh, an assistant, and entertaining the idea of this person coming and giving her um, him a massage. And Ralph comes in and says, no, I had back pain, and this person suggested something, and he basically responded. First of all, he dodged the question about how he responded. But then he responds with something like, he said a, a text to her like, LOL, I'm a guy. Like, what do you think? If you're going to say something like that to me, I guess is what they're trying to imply. But I'm just like, can you guys just like get a divorce? Like, I don't know. It's uncomfortable to watch them. And they're so boring and uninteresting. And they're liars in like not a cute way. You know, it's a mess. I mean, I can't, it's not just a, this, that she's now peddling a eating disorder diet for money or whatever. It's, there's something about Drew that reminds me a lot of Teddy Mellencamp. And hopefully by the end of the season, I'll be able to pinpoint it, but God, I can't stand her. We go to the La Archive event. And let me just say, before Kenya made the joke, I did write, Unlike She by Sheree, it's a fashion show without a show. How dreadful. <laughs> but it's actually not dreadful. Albeit confusing, it's actually fabulous. It is, as Kenya says, a ballroom with no ball. And she also, everybody's pointing out this bizarre apostrophe. It makes no sense. But they all get there. It's uh, essentially like a museum space. And they have all these mannequins with gorgeous dresses draped everywhere. And again, the question is, how did Marlo get her hands on this? What is going on? Um, everybody's just trying to figure out what's going to happen next. We They want to understand the business model. They want to understand if there's going to be a fashion show, what is happening. But while this is going on, Drew uses it as a moment to talk to Kenya. And she says, if I can make, if, and Kenya says, if she can make amends with Marlo, then she can do the same with Drew. But I feel like even Kenya knows that Drew is kind of pathetic. Finally, Marlo comes out and she explains how the business works. And basically, it's like a very high, high, high end rent the runway for like people in the industry. Um, at one point, Marlo does a costume change. She comes out looking like candy that Sheree's grandmother would give her to stay quiet in church. <laughs> I mean, say what you will about Marlo, but Marlo is a hustler. Like, no one knows where she got her money from, but she's still a hustler. She is hustling. Um, when everybody is, you know, questioning what exactly is going to happen, they're confused about the setup of the, the event. Marlo explains to them that this is like a Parisian museum, you basic bitches. I'm not going to have a, a regular fashion show. Sheree and Sonia... Sheree being the bone collector that she is obviously and Sonia trying to be a good uh, rookie housewife they go immediately and they stir the pot with Marlo and they tell her that Kenya specifically is complaining because <laughs> because she doesn't think that this event is nice and it doesn't make any sense da, 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 da. Bravo does this thing where they give us the white refrigerator flashback and if you don't know, it is this this 
obviously this iconic scene where Kenya um, is just moved to Atlanta and Nini goes to visit her and Kenya has a white refrigerator. Nini calls it the ghetto. And it's interesting because they do the flashback, but they just do the voiceover. We don't see Nini. We just get the voiceover. And I was like, I wonder if it's because obviously Nini is now suing Bravo. So I, I'm thinking maybe they can't show it. I don't know. But Marlo gets it all up in there. She calls Kenya a has-been. She says that Kenya should pressure wash her house, which is like – if uh, we covered, by the way, the on our Patreon, we covered the South Africa episode where Kenya and <laughs> Marlo babble at each other. And one of the most amazing things about Marlo is that she has these, like, amazing digs that are very basic things that, like – you know, it, it would be something as simple. I feel like Kenya. I feel like Marlo would say something like, oh, "By the way, did I say Marlo and Kenya? No, Marlo and Sheree babbling in South Africa at each other." And one of the most amazing things about Marlo's reads is that she says these insults of like very basic things, like very normal things, but she says them in a way that it's such an insult, right? Like she says that Kenya should pressure wash her house. <laughs> And in the fight in South Africa, Marla says something to Sheree like, why do you have three cars and no house? <laughs> like, it's just, she says these things, like, I feel like Marla would say something like, you know, you should dust your windowsills, like, and that would be like a Marlo insult. And I just, I love that. Marlo comes over and she has words with Kenya for talking shit. And she really tries to read the girls. She really tries. But Kenya wins by calling Marlo's event LeBay. <laughs> They all poke questions about her business. And, you know, again, the best thing about this group is like they all ultimately end the party leaving, laughing, joking around. They shade, they film, they show up, they make fun of each other. And it's it's awesome. It's just it's refreshing. It's nice. There's no animosity, really. Marlo points out that Drew's hair is in a French curl. She has no style. <laughs> it's like Marla comes in to fight with Kenya and then somehow directs her attention to Drew because she's like, this is the lowest hanging fruit. I'm going to go for her. Speaking of Drew, Candy, Drew, and Kenya do talk again about Drew's husband's assistant. And Candy finds this girl's social media. And it turns out that Ralph is potentially still talking to this girl. Now, is it Ralph? Is it that assistant that was doing the most? We don't know. But... I can't wait. I just, I can't wait to continue watching it. It's just, it's a level above. The show is a level above all of the other housewives. It's just so damn good. When they showed that sign for LeBay, like whatever the editors made LeBay over La Archive, it, the voiceover was more Marlo saying, from Dior to Chanel, I wrote a lot of dicks for these pieces. I mean, this is why I love Atlanta so much and it's just so damn good. And while we're in Atlanta, let's talk about Candy and the Gang. Candy and the Gang is all of the things that I think Vanderpump Rules wishes it was, but they just don't have the humor. Like Vanderpump Rules doesn't have a natural sense of humor. I would actually argue that in Vanderpump Rules, the only person who might have a natural sense of humor is possibly James Kennedy, not when he's a belligerent drunk. He's actually very funny when he makes fun of everyone, right? But like 
the way that Sandoval tries so hard to be funny, like he's such a tryhard. It's like so annoying. I feel like Candy and the Gang, everybody on this show is just so good. They're so funny. Um, we covered this show maybe two weeks ago, and I can't remember honestly what happened last week. But what's important to know is that everybody seems to get along. Like Patrick has his housewarming party, which is like barely a housewarming party. It's a very it's a cold cold party and Chandrika comes she's made to stand outside she's not allowed to go into the party there's drama with safari who's patrick's girlfriend it's a whole thing and candy and todd decide let's have patrick and his girlfriend and Chandrika and her fiance let's all go on a triple date and while it starts off kind of like awkward ultimately at the end i think that a big take a big a really important thing on this show is the fact that these are all young people who are understanding the opportunity that they have at hand. It's not just about being on – it's not just about their job at OLG, obviously. It's about the fact that they get to be on a television show, which is huge. And I think that to some degree they understand each other's hustle in that way, so they're not going to try to get in the way of that. And I appreciate that about the show. I don't think Vanderpump Rules had the same kind of understanding between their staff. And also, just again, Vanderpump Rules wasn't as funny. It was more dramatic. The best thing about this show is that, yeah, there's like pseudo drama, like between Safari and Chandrika, but like it's not really real. It's not like enough for there to be like these huge fireworks. Nobody's actually like getting into a major fight. You know, Shardo tries to explain to Dom that she shouldn't have you know, just left her friend out hanging and Dom gets really mad. But like by the next episode, they're all hanging out and everything's fine. Because again, they're like, oh, we're a family. But I think what they're also alluding to is they're also all just understanding that they all want the camera time. This is a huge opportunity for all of them and they don't want to lose it. This week, though, what happened, Patrick has, you know, the OLG version of the Sir photo shoot. It is called Pooh Confidant or Confiant. I don't know. But look, he keeps calling it Pooh. It's body oils. It is brilliant. It is so funny. He also goes and asks for uh, Safari, whose real name is Mariam. Mariam's uh, hand in marriage from her father, Abdul. I think, so I looked it up. Safari's real name is Mariam Khatib and her father's name is Abdul. So I was like, oh, okay. They might be Muslim Americans. That's kind of cool. Um, anyway, he asks for uh, her hand in marriage, which he does get uh, Safari's dad's blessings. Um, the the crew of friends, Brandon, Dom, uh, Chandrika, um, Torin, they all go. They ride bikes. They drink hookah, and they have a great time. It's because Dom has her job in the UK sealed, and obviously she cannot work at the restaurant because she and Brandon are in a full relationship. Um, Brian takes his soul food egg rolls to shark tank aka todd and it's great because again these are young people trying to make the most of the opportunity that's been handed to them um they also <laughs> want chandri to they they being don juan and patrick decide that maybe it's time to give chandrika uh a bigger position and the way they decide that is that they say <laughs> one time they saw chandrika carrying plates to a <laughs> to a table so they're like oh it's time for a promotion 
Uh, it's just so good. It's wonderful. Um, they also do bartender auditions. I mean, it was a job interview, but really it was bartender auditions because obviously the people who would get hired would be on this television show. So they have this bartender audition and one of them comes in drunk and that person happens to be Patrick's like recommendation. And it's really nice to see like Patrick's walls come down. Um, <laughs> we find out that Patrick uh qua quasi quasi uh patrick has these like really sexy pictures on the internet brian and chandrika take a page out of giselle's book and put patrick's pictures on t-shirts and wear it to the poo body oil photo shoot and it's wonderful and it's nice to see patrick not lose his shit like i did not like patrick when i started watching this show because i was just like i don't care about this person i can't feel like he's too he's like again too much of a tryhard he's putting up a front like he needs to chill out everybody else is so fun stop trying you know stop taking your job so seriously but it was nice to see him get crazy if you will um i love aunt bertha the most because she just looks like she's sick of it like she puts up with patrick's shit at this photo shoot uh because that's her grandson and that's her grandbaby and she'll do it but patrick also is always joking he is never serious. Even this photo shoot that he and Safari are putting together, I'm like, this is not real. Like, this this can't be real. Safari is, like, just taking the most basic pictures of everybody. Patrick created a product that had poo in it. Poo. And by the way, the French word is puh. It's not poo. It's puh. But Patrick keeps calling it poo, and he thinks it's so funny. He's always got the smirk on his face, like, y'all know I'm joking. Like, like there's no way that it's actually real. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm missing the joke. Maybe I'm an idiot, and I don't realize that it's real. But I just think it's great. Patrick is one of my favorite people on the show. Um, what is real is Brian's soul food, soul food egg rolls. Uh, he wants to have Todd buy in and invest into the business, and when he comes over, he is Brian's wearing the most business casual necklace with the shirt open that I have ever seen in my life. And, you know, like, again, it's not just that these young people understand the opportunity they have. Todd and Candy see genuine potential in these people. And that is why they have created the show. And I love it. I hope that I think next week is a finale. I hope we get another season. It also seemed like they had been filming this show for quite some time, and I guess it took a little while for them to actually finish up the filming and or c- come up with enough content to create a show and put it put together eight episodes or whatever. But I really enjoyed it. I really just I don't know. I was just gi- I'm always giggling the whole time. I'm cracking up. Everybody is genuinely so funny and so chill and and just. Nobody takes themselves seriously and they do get serious when they need to, but it's still like a level of, I don't know. It's the way I guess I would be with like my cousins or my family or my closest friends. And that's what I love about this show. Speaking of family, let's talk about the Grand Dame family reunion. So we talked about the first episode maybe two weeks ago and I didn't realize that there were only two episodes, but it's so good. It is there's so many layers to it that's that is excellent. So um the first episode we find basically got an overview of Karen's family and the wooden farm and what the biggest point of tension was, right? The tension was that 
there's this farm. It is in her Aunt Val's name. Aunt Val's kids are concerned that the farm isn't being used in the most lucrative way. They're also concerned that if she dies, who is the farm going to go to? It's complicated because when Aunt Val's father, who is, I guess, Karen's great-grandpa, when he died, he had put everything in Aunt Val's name. So Karen wants to make sure that there is a line of succession for this farm. Karen keeps calling it secession, which is a whole other thing. But anyway, that's the first episode and we're set up with like, oh, we got to figure out what to do with Val, blah, blah, blah. There's also a family reunion at the farm, which is really cute. There's matching sweatshirts. There's games. It's like lovely to see Karen in her element. She just seems so fun. She is so fun. Um, but also there's this part of the second episode where I was just like sobbing, like uncontrollably. Um, Karen goes to the records office, um, or the historical preservation office in Surrey County, and they pull records of Karen's ancestors of her family. And Karen, I guess, was under the impression that she had known that her great grandma, great, great grandmother had, you know, had children with a white man, which is how they got the farm. But she had thought that that was by choice. And it is this really, really sad, dark moment where they talk about the truth of it. The Aunt Val says, yeah, it probably was by force. She was, you know, an employee of the Ruffin family who was the father of her children. He was her boss. He was an alcoholic. And nobody else in the family had any other children. He was the only son of the family that owned that farm. And... She was viewed like property. She was his property and the children were his property. It was incredibly moving to see that because the way that Aunt Val describes it, it's so interesting. It's this like horrible, horrible tragedy that happened to this woman. And she says it's it kind of just worked out in their favor that this family had no other children. They had no other sons and it got to stay with Karen's great-grandfather And so the Wooden Farm, the reason why it's called Wooden Farms is because that was actually their great-great-grandmother's last name. And because she was a slave and because she was considered property, the children, so Karen's great-grandfather, he, they got the Wooden last name. They got their mother's last name. They didn't get the Ruffin last name. So the, the farm went from the Ruffin family to the Wooden family only because of the happenstance that nobody else had had any children. And it's just a really moving and important scene. And it was really nice to see that. It was nice to see this like other layer of Karen. Um, You know, it's all mixed in with all these other things that we're learning about her family, her sister who is so funny and she's so dry. And all of it culminates at the end <laughs> to this one scene. And this is why it cracked me. I was like, Karen is, Karen is so funny. Karen is so much talk. She talks a big game. She's this really over-the-top intense person. Even the way she's talking about there not being a secession plan and there needs to be a secession plan and all this stuff, all these conversations she's nervous to have and all this stuff. It all culminates at the end with everybody sitting around and talking. And they ask Val, what happens if you die? Do your kids get the farm? And Val says, well, I mean, I have a will. And Karen's like, well, you didn't tell me that you had a will. And she's like, yeah, I I didn't think of it. I have a will. And I'm like, that's it. (laughs) Problem solved. (laughs) 
Like there's nothing. It just it ends so abruptly. And I was like, wait, you got you made me get to know these people and I need to know more about them. But it was just like I don't know. It just was so quintessentially Karen, right? Like it's this big thing. It's so intense. It's it's so crazy. What's going on? And at the end, she's like, pop up. It's done. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. It's like even with like, you know, raised tax problems. It's like it was in the Washington Post. It was all over the news. And Karen was just like, yeah, it's fine. His money is his money. My money is my money. I bought a Jaguar. <laughs> that was it. So it's just I don't know. I just I do hope that we get more episodes. It just felt strange that it was only two episodes, but I guess it's also because there was nothing else, nothing further to discuss. Um, they kept sprinkling in like the Bravo version of like the succession music, which is very cute. But it was just nice. It was nice to get this know this other side of Karen Huger. Um and she's so beloved. She's like such a good auntie and she's so aware of how extra she is. Also, her daughter is so fun. I hope we see more of Raven on Potomac. I'd love to see an episode where like, you know, Raven goes and has lunch with Giselle's girls. Like that would be so much fun if we could see a scene like that just because, I don't know, they just are getting to know each other. Speaking of Giselle, apparently I just saw news right now that she's possibly dating Peter Thomas. <laughs> Peter Thomas? <laughs> The Peter Thomas? Uh, I hope if it does escalate that Giselle's daughters take a page from Cynthia's sister and they do hide the marriage certificate and they make sure that their mom doesn't end up with this dude. Um, That's it for this episode. Um, I'm just – my brain, I'll be honest, is a little fried. I've just been a little bit um, just trying to figure out how to balance everything and I just I wanted to make sure to talk about Roe versus Wade again. Check out the links in the description of this episode. Um, you know, and I'm sending my love to you if the news this week has been particularly difficult and triggering. And, you know, if you want to slide into my DMs and talk about it, please feel free to do that. Um, send us a voice note, uh, which is always in the episode description um, through Anchor. Whatever you can do to figure out a way to feel better, I hope you find that. I hope you find your peace. If part of your peace is listening to this podcast, then thank you for sharing that experience with me. Um, I will talk to you guys on Saturday about Rehustles of New Jersey Reunion and Summer House. Bye-bye.